good morning. I hope you slept good. I hope you have a beautiful day today. Welcome to this sacred ritual. I hope you have hope for this day. God is a very present help. And if you will invite him into your day, he will help you with it. He will help you with it. Good morning, Debbie. We are in the middle of the Jesus series, and we are on episode number 13. And I ask you to share this podcast link with others, specifically others who are trying to follow Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We're all trying to make our way through here. Good morning, angel. And I, as I've gone through this, through this uh, study of Jesus across the four Gospels, it has surprised me how I've yet to get into much teaching of Jesus. I'm looking... You know, I, I just kind of thought I'd be getting into parables and, you know, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, these teachings that I know of Jesus. <laughs> I thought I would be, I thought there would be a lot of those and it has surprised me how mostly his behavior, I, I mostly what I'm talking about so far is his behavior. He has spoken some, and I have taught at, on those as I've come across them. But my goodness, Christ's behavior is absolutely that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I knew that. I been very passionate about exemplifying that for a long time because I did know that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. But this series has been very eye-opening to me at how much he did that. And my experience thus far in this study, and you are learning it as I am learning it, my experience thus far has been much more behavior of him doing that than his actual words of what he said in these various um, scenarios and situations. So anyway, it's been such a joy for me to learn these things. You know, I've been a, I've, I was raised in a Christian home. I've been following Christ to the best of my ability since I've been mature enough to. And um, you just never stop learning. You never stop learning. So in episode 13, we are picking up 
in Matthew chapter 9. And this story is found in Matthew 9 and in Mark 2 and in Luke 5. And it's interesting, and I want to point out something that is important for teachers of the Word of God as well as onlookers of the Word of God, that in Matthew, we're actually going to follow this in Matthew because it's about Matthew, and I, I like that he wrote about himself. Um, in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5, it's the same story. But in Matthew 9, it says that that um, we're clearly talking about Matthew. It calls his name Matthew. And in Mark 2 and Luke 5, it's talking about the same story, but they use the name Levi. And I just want to say and point out that the Bible does not contradict itself. Bible does not contradict itself. Um, as a as a soul winner, people will periodically bring me verses like this, and um, if they're skeptics of the Bible, then they will point out that this is this is proof that the Bible contradicts itself. It's not it's not a trusted source, and the Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible explains itself. The Bible makes itself more clear from person to person. And here's an example of that, the same story that's in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5. Let me read Matthew 9, 9. As Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And again, this is mentioned, this story is in Mark 2, Luke 5. And instead of saying Matthew in Mark 2 and Luke 5, it says Levi. Matthew is the Greek name and Levi is the Hebrew name. If you will remember, Matthew was a tax collector. And as a tax collector, Matthew worked for Greek-speaking Romans. And so Matthew was the name that all of his business associates knew him by. Matthew was his Greek name. He gathered taxes from Hebrew-speaking Jews. <laughs> so Levi was his Hebrew name and likely the name he was born with. And of course, this is not unusual. We see this Often in scripture, we've already discussed that Peter, the apostle Peter, was also called Simon, and he was called Cephas. And we've got Nathaniel, who is also called Bartholomew. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Nona. I'm glad you guys joined me this morning. So these are not contradictions of scriptures. Um, Labius is called Thaddeus in scripture. And so these, 
the, the scripture does not contradict itself. When, if you get a chance, go back and listen to episode three on Sacred Ritual Podcast um, of the Jesus series. And um, you'll find where I did a, a podcast about all of the disciples at once in episode three of the Jesus series. And then Levi is the son in Mark 2 and Luke 5. Levi, it says, is the son of Alphaeus. Well, scripture also says that James is the son of Alphaeus. And for people who are wanting to take the stand that the Bible contradicts itself um, or, or insinuates things, this would sound like that Matthew and James were brothers. But the fact that Levi is the son of Alphaeus and James is the son of Alphaeus does not make them brothers. Uh, for instance, is I am a Richardson, but I am not kin to every other Richardson on the planet. People can have the same name and be of different families. <laughs> um, a, a fun fact that is shocking when you're meeting people in Korea. I go to South Korea as much as I can. And um, around half of all Koreans, all Koreans, share the family names Kim, Park, Lee, Chui, and Chung. Uh, the way they pass names, and, you know, of course, we're not talking about a, um, a country that is promoting being a melting pot of all the customs. So the majority of the population has always been Korean. They are Korean. And because of the way they pass names, over half of the population, or at least half of the population's last name is Kim, Park, Lee, Chui, and Chung. And they're... Uh, they don't know each other just because they have the last same last name. So just a reminder, the Bible does not contradict itself. And the Gospels do not contradict each other. Let's read on in, in Matthew. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. So Jesus is eating. And in the previous verse, he has said to Matthew, who is a tax collector, follow me. So at this point, he's eating with Matthew and many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples, there are some things for us as followers of Christ to learn from this. You know, when we say we're following Christ, what we mean is we're trying to do things like Christ. That's what we are trying to do as Christians. We are trying to do things like Jesus. We're not just trying to please Jesus as Christians. We are trying to do that. What pleases him? But we're trying to do more than please him. We're trying to act like him. We're trying to take on his behaviors. 
And so part of that is learning how to be a winner of souls. Jesus came to seek, that means to go and look for sinners, the lost. He came to seek for the lost. He didn't just come to come and sit in a religious building. Like we attend what our religious building is called a church. And their time, it was called a synagogue. He didn't just, he did go to synagogue, but he didn't just go sit there and wait for people to come there. He went and looked for them outside of that building, outside of that place. He came to seek, and then he didn't just find them and call them out in their sin. He came to save them, seek and save. And so that he is sitting there with Matthew, I've seen this happen often, and that is that as you are engaging with a person who is getting to know Jesus and the ways of God, their friends and family began to arrive with them. They... they the the new friends' interests, the new disciples' interests sparks the interests of the family and the friends. And that's what we see happening here. Publican. I love to study with Blue Letter Bible and its um, usage of this word says a tax gatherer. A publican is a tax gatherer a collector of taxes or tolls. The tax collectors were a class detested, not only by the Jews, but by other nations also, both on account of their employment and of the harshness. They were known to be harsh. They were known to be greedy. They were known to be deceptive. We know this by uh, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus stole extra monies. And when Jesus had, well, we'll get to Zacchaeus in a bit, but but we know this, this deception, this greed is a common thing. And this is who ended up coming to sit with Jesus. These, these people that were pushy and deceptive and harsh and greedy, and it didn't matter what race you were, you did not like a publican. And then sinners came to sit down with Jesus. And Blue Letter Bible defines this as a person devoted to sin. You know, all have sinned. We're born in sin and shapen in iniquity, David said. In sin did my mother conceive me. Because of the curse of the garden, that sweet little cute baby is born into sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in this case, this is talking about someone devoted to sin. This is 
this is different than the naive person who doesn't know that everybody needs to come to a place of repentance, even if they haven't been a really bad person. You know, when I'm teaching people about Jesus, often I will hear people say, I've been a good person. I've been good. I've not like, I've kept myself from drugs. I've kept myself from, you know, vices and habits. Yeah, but we all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need to repent. But this level of sinner right here that came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples, they were devoted to their sin. And it goes on, the Blue Letter Bible goes on to say specifically of men stained with certain definite vices or crimes people whose lives were stained by their vices, their addictions. They had definite, certain vices that gripped their lifestyle and they were devoted to that sin or crimes, or crimes, vices, or crimes. And so in Matthew 9, 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Now, the word Pharisee, who does this sound like? I'm going to also use Blue Letter Bible, and I'm going to read you the definition of a Pharisee. Now, first of all, I, I happen to know that Pharisee also means one who studies the law. But here is a, a usage, a biblical usage of this word. Those who have outward observances of external rites and outward forms of piety, such as ceremonial washings, fastings, prayers, and almsgiving. Now, I have to tell you that that description, ceremonial washings, fastings, prayers, almsgiving, this sounds like me and my kind. Because now the Pharisee ceremonial washings would have been more Old Testament um, and, and uh, daily and they would have they involved something different, but I believe in a ceremonial washing called baptism and I believe in it strongly. And I believe very much in fasting and I live a lifestyle of prayer and almsgiving. Ceremoni ceremonial washings, baptism, fastings. This is why I fast. Because Jesus said, these kind, talking about some demons, these kind goeth not forth, but by prayer and fasting. And, and further, Jesus said later when the disciples said, why, why aren't your disciples fasting? Jesus said, my disciples will fast when he was gone. And, and of course, we know that prayer is acceptable to the Lord and, and desirous of the Lord. Jesus prayed himself. He taught his disciples to pray. 
And almsgiving, alms is is money to help others. And, and, and we know that that is a, a, an instruction throughout the New Testament. These things that, that I believe in that, and that my kind believe in, the ceremonial washing of baptism, this, these fastings that we do, prayers, almsgiving, Christ never, never taught against these outward actions of piety. Now, the word piety means devotion. So those of us who participate in this level of devotion where where we believe very strongly in baptism and and we practice fastings and and we believe that prayers are important to our ability to function as a Christian and we give alms alms again is is money um, for those in need and to take care of the needs of of uh, the things God has set up but Christ never taught about these things but what are you devoted to as you participate in these are you devoted in the actions themselves are you devoted in the actions themselves? I've known people who get very frustrated at those who are not following the principles and uh, behaviors of these actions. And it seems to be because somebody else is not. And that's not why we practice these things. We can't get frustrated and angry. To me, that the attitude seems to be, if I have to, you have to. And and that can't be why we practice these things and why we want others to practice these things. It can't be, if I have to, you have to. So what are the purposes? What is the purpose of these actions? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When when these actions of fasting and, and believing in baptism and practicing baptism, prayer, giving of offering, when these practices are to draw near to God, are to come, the scripture says, come out from among them and be ye separate. We don't do that to... to uh, to prove that we're better, we we do that to draw closer to the Lord. For the purpose of God, we come out from among them to be able to equip ourselves to be God's hands and voice. That's why we come out from among them and are separate. We come out from among them not to be better to to say we're better people than them, Pastor Jason always says, we're not better. We're just better off. And so we've got to remember that we do these things for the purpose of God. If you and I love the actions of the disciplines more than we love serving the purpose of those disciplines, then we have a problem. We have a spiritual 
problem that is called hypocrisy. Because our job is to fulfill God's purpose, not our own. Being God's hands to the hurting world is our job and our purpose. And if the reason you are practicing the the spiritual discipline set out on the word of God is for you to feel righteous within yourself, well, I have some disappointing news for you. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Let, Let me point out this. In the same way that we are making sure our practices of our external daily lifestyle is for the purpose of Christ, there's no need to cease your personal disciplines to have a meal with publicans and sinners. There is no need to cease in your personal disciplines as you draw near to reaching others for the sake of Christ. Seeking and saving the lost does not mean compromising who you are, your lifestyle, what God has called you to be. If we, the, the, the scripture says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, He doesn't leave the light to make us feel comfortable. He, Christ does not leave the light because we do not understand the light or because we are uncomfortable with the light. He does not leave the light. He calls us to come walk in the light. And in the same way, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if Christ is walking in the light, I must also try to walk in the light. And we do not have to leave our journey of following Christ and all the disciplines that come with that, that we've come to know from Scripture, and they are in Scripture. We don't have to leave those so that they can follow us. It is a lie from Satan that I want to call out that we step away from our lifestyle of consecration, from our apostolic lifestyle to win the sinner's soul. My experience is that is just not the case. I have not needed to to do one thing different about my personal choices and disciplines of living a separated from the world lifestyle. And I do that in how I dress and how I think and how I, I plan my schedule and my entertainment. I do that in every area of my life. I'm not saying I'm a perfect person, but I'm saying I seek to do those things. And my seeking to do those things has not hindered me at all from being a soul winner to multiple cultures. Not at all. I'm not, I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm trying to say my reality is that it is a lie that people have to 
morph their lifestyle to, to look and act and be like the people they are trying to win. Jesus did not leave the light to draw people who were living in darkness. He remained in the light. He lived the lifestyle. Walk in the light as he is in the light. He stayed in that light and people who want to follow his journey, they leave the darkness. It doesn't happen overnight. In my experience, my personal growth has been a very gradual one of 50 years, almost 50. My entire life, I have been studying, and when I think, oh, yeah, I mean, I know, I mean, I've been studying this for decades. I know all there is to know. Nope. I learn. There's a little something else I got to learn. I got to tweak. I got to change. I got to get out of my system. And so it's important that you know you can live for God with everything in you without compromise and still be a friend to publicans and sinners. Matthew 9, 12, when Jesus heard that, that the Pharisees had said, why are they eating? Why is he eating with publicans and sinners? Jesus said, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Jesus, Jesus did not come from heaven to earth to spend his time with people who think they're perfect in their piety. Jesus cannot help people who do not see themselves as in need of help. And so Jesus said, I, I didn't come for the people who already feel righteous and religious. They that are whole need not a physician. They that are sick. And in Matthew 9.13, he goes on to say, go and learn what that means. Go figure out what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. See, when you live a separated lifestyle, it is sacrificial. You are choosing to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to behave that way. I'm not going to be okay with my attitude being like that. I'm going to make myself be nice when I feel like, when I feel frustration and anger, I'm going to make myself be patient when I feel like I'm, I'm in a hurry and I want all, all these things. We live a sacrificial life. The, when you are very purposefully trying to walk in the light as he is in the light, it is a daily sacrifice from, from, the inside out, from the inside out. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. We get so, people who live a sacrificial life get so uh, perfect feeling and, and, and satisfied with the fact that we are sacrificing so much and we don't even realize that we're not being merciful to people. We don't even realize that we're not being kind. You know, uh, hurting people hurt people. And we get so focused on the fact that someone hurt us that we aren't recognizing that we should be merciful because the person lashing out is likely hurting. 
the person having a hard time staying on the path of righteousness has likely been not had the fellowship that they need to woo them and to encapsulate them in and encircle them in the way that they should go. There's, there's so many situations I could go to right now and point out ways that we are not showing mercy. We're all about our sacrifice, our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of consecration, our sacrifice of lifestyle. And Jesus is reminding us, I want mercy. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I'm, Jesus was saying when he said, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I am more drawn to the one asking for mercy than I am drawn to the one ritualistic and offering sacrifices. In the Old Testament, God said obedience, or the prophet said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And now Jesus is pointing out mercy is better than sacrifice. And like I said at the beginning, the Bible's not contradicting itself. It's adding layers. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Mercy is better than sacrifice. And, and let me point out that mercy is also a sacrifice. It's, it's a different sacrifice than you're used to. But both asking for mercy and giving mercy is sacrificial to our nature. It is dying daily. I die daily, the Apostle Paul said. So we've got to reevaluate our actions and our motives. James said, let a man examine himself. I'm calling us to examine ourselves. What is our behavior in this life? Are we all about our own lifestyle and so putting so much energy into preserving our lifestyle, which we should. I, I pointed out we shouldn't be compromising our lifestyle. But you can not you can be a soul winner. You can seek and save the lost and not compromise walking in the light. Firstly, we've got to acknowledge our need for Christ's righteousness. And that's where we come in, where we say, Lord, we acknowledge that I am sick. Therefore, I need you, the great physician, to touch my soul. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so even though we do everything right that we know to do, we still come to Jesus and say, cleanse me, Lord, teach me. Let me see me how you see me. I present myself to you not as a pious, I've done all this almsgiving and fastings and prayers. No, I come to you saying, I am aware that my righteousness is as filthy rags. Help me to grow. Help me to be better. And then secondly, we should develop the skill of standing firmly with conviction in the lifestyle, instructions, the examples from scripture, while also 
being a winner of souls and publicans, of sinners, a winner of the souls of publicans and sinners. We can walk in the light as he is in the light. And we can just simply lift our eyes and look on the harvest because it is white, all ready for harvest. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. God bless you.